Hello, this is Lyle Phillips, Senior Pastor at Iris Nashville, and I would like to personally thank you for downloading and listening to our podcast each week. To find out more information about Iris Nashville, you can find us online at irisnashville.com. Thanks, and God bless. I'm continuing a series called Hashtag Blessed. All right, and so we've been talking about finances for the last couple of weeks. It's the third week in the series. Uh, the very first week, we talked about tithing. Everybody say, ooh, right? Because you know how scary that can be. I've been in ministry preaching for 10 years, never once talked about tithing. Honestly, it was because I was afraid to, right? So I went for it. We preached on tithing the first, the first week. I felt like it really went well. We had a number of people make a commitment to say, you know what, I'm going to test God. Malachi chapter 4 invites us to test God in our giving. I'm going to test God for the summer. Just If I've never tithed before, at least for the summer, I'm just going to gut up and I'm just going to give because the Bible says if I do, I'll be blessed. And so we had a lot of people take that challenge. They stepped out in faith, said, we're going we're gonna to begin to tithe. We're going to obey God. We're going to go after that. And, um, and so we had a number of people commit to that. And then, the, and then last week, we talked about multiplication over mammon and what it looked like to be generous, to be financially blessed, and to not bow a knee to the, uh, to the spirit of mammon. If you've been here for one or two of those past weeks, would you just lift your hand real quick? I want to see you guys. Awesome. So that's most of you guys in here. If you haven't, it's okay, because I think today will fit if you've been here the whole time or this is your first Sunday, okay? But before I kick off and read a verse of scripture, I do want to invite some good friends of mine, uh, Sean and Sarah Cothran. They're going to come up here and share a testimony with us tonight, a financial testimony, and uh, I'm going to let them come on up. You guys come up on stage. Let me get you this other microphone here, and we just want to hear what God's done in your life. Hello. (laughs) Um, So just to be very vulnerable for a minute uh, and honest, um, I, well, so last week I was actually sick. So I I was here the first week, then I couldn't come last week, but Sean came. And um, I didn't actually listen to Lyle's message until Friday. Um, So between the first week and his listening on Friday, um, I've just been like really um, like rocked by just what he's been teaching. And um, I, for a long time, have really struggled with um, the thoughts of like, um, like how is God going to provide if I know where all my money is coming from, if that makes sense? So, like, I know, like, we were in missions for years, and it was like, where's our money going to come from? We actually don't know. And now, you know, we've, we work and stuff, and so it's like, okay, well, we know every so often we're going to get this money, and um, things are tight at times, and I consistently find myself putting my trust and my faith in the number in our bank account and not just um, what God's going to (laughs) provide and what our needs are. You know, I kind of like put my faith in the, in the mint.com box. (laughs) Um, And so there was, you know, it kind of is like a cyclical thing. So every so often I'll have these days where I'm like, oh my gosh, like you check your bank account and you're thinking there's a certain amount of money in there and they're like, oh no, there's not. And like, I have this bill and this, I need to go grocery shopping and what about gas? And and your mind just kind of goes crazy. So that's me. And, and Sean is always like, don't worry about it. It's gonna be fine. Like really, it's gonna be okay. And I'm like, but, but, but. And he's like, no, really, it's gonna be okay. And those thoughts um, that Lyle talked about last week about um, not, not saying or not think, allowing yourself to think, well, if I just get this money, then I'll be generous. Or if, I, if this happens, then I will do this with my money because that's, that's not how <laughs> we should be handling things. So that's been very challenging in that um, on Tuesday, well, on Monday, I was having that like moment. We were like, oh, things are really tight right now, and I was really freaking out. And um, Tuesday in my quiet time, I was reading um, in First Timothy 6 um, about, you know, the love of money and the destruction and basically stress that that brings. And then you talked about it in your message, and I heard that, and I was like, there's something going on. Um, so then Tuesday, 
That's all right. So it's on now. Um, so in a matter of like a day, two days, um, well, we'll back up before Tuesday. Um, missions for like about four years. Uh, we met during that time, got married, um, had to kind of deal with and are still dealing with um, my like faith slash complete naivety of what credit cards actually do. Uh, like for like my late teens through when we got married, uh, they just kept raising my limit. I was like, they're giving me free money. This is awesome. And I just, so I just kept using it. Um, I, apparently you're not supposed to do that. Um, and we're still, still dealing with that. But um, I, no, we're both yeah, dealing with it. So anyway, um, <laughs> so not that we're still doing that. The, they're cut up, they're gone, but you know, you still owe the money. Um, the, bank's not, the bank hasn't received the revelation yet, but they will. Um, so in the, in the meantime, while the bank is waiting to receive the revelation, uh, so I worked, um, when we first moved here, worked uh, as a youth, youth young adults pastor. Um, and then after leaving that church, um, for various reasons that I think on the church's side were financial, um, which is a whole other sermon, I'm sure, um, is I worked for Uber and Lyft and shipped and like every like app you could make money through like trying to just like have streams of income and and you know some nights staying up until like two or three driving or five some days uh, uh, but just trying to uh, provide for my family and you know one kid and now two kids and 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 still wanting to hear God on how to get finances and how to handle all of that. And so it's been a really big transition. Um, but for the, in, in October, I went to uh, the Iron Yard Academy, which is like a software development boot camp. Um, and, Cause I had built websites before, but I didn't, but I was like, um, just kind of presented this opportunity. And, uh, and that was a lot of money, um, but I, I worked really hard and I prayed really hard and I got a really, really good job. Probably, if we have to compare, probably the best opportunity of like everybody in my class. I got an incredible job at an incredible company and it's so good. And that's a huge testimony for sure. But, um, but that didn't mean that money wasn't tight. It's, it's better, um, you know, but we were still worried. And um, so there was a lot of, a lot of, blessing there but we're still working through all of that and with the finances and everything um so that tuesday sarah's worried she's texting me we had talked the day before and uh and everything was like really really tight and um and then that day i got a residual check for promo codes and stuff from uber from shipped and from lyft <laughs> And a um, and a bonus check from Uber for somebody signing up using my uh, promo code, and some random person I've never heard of using my code to sign up to be a driver in California uh, <laughs> for Lyft. And then um, out of the blue, um, my boss called a meeting with the whole company of like 25 people um, together, and they're like, "We're doing really, really well, so you're all getting a big check today." Uh, and so they gave us, you know, a few hundred dollars. So we got like over $500 in one day just out of the blue. And it was just like, um, you know, we, we were wanting to be diligent with our finances and, um, and God blessed it from a place that we hadn't been necessarily um, sowing in all of those areas, but we reaped what, what God had been doing. So it was so good. Yeah. Thank you, bro. Oh, it's so good. I'm sure that we could turn this night into a testimony night because I would almost, yeah, I would almost believe that there are so many people in here, even over the last month, that have been like financially blessed from out of the blue. 
And I have, personally. Um, we have, as a family, as well. And, um, you know, I really believe that what we trust God with, that he pours back out on us. And uh, Bill Johnson, pastor in Reading, said, uh, in the kingdom, you only get to keep what you're willing to give away. So that's a profound statement. And I really think that that um, connects when it comes to finances. So what I want to do tonight is I want to read a very common financial offering message scripture. All right. So it's, uh, it comes to us from the book of Luke, Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Just want to invite you to grab your word. We're going to read it together or, or open it up in your, your Bible app on your phone. And we're going to read one verse of scripture. And I would honestly, I'm going to assume that most of you in here could quote this verse of scripture if I ask you to, because I know that you've heard it before, and I'd say 99% of the time, it was an offering message scripture. So I'm almost sure. So if you got it, just say amen. If you need a little bit more time, say hold up a second. All right, cool. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Give you a few more seconds here, and then we'll read it together. I'm going to read from the ESV. So um, yeah, any ESV nuts in here? Woo! Very, uh, you know, I, I like it. My friend that works at Regent University, he says that's what we use at Regent. And so I'm like, okay, well, it must be good. So that's what I use. All the smart people use it. So let's read Luke chapter 6, verse 38 together. It says, give. Everybody say give. Yeah. And it will be given to you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For, the, for with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We know it's eternal, it's powerful, and it has the ability to completely change our lives to become more like you. And so we ask that and we pray that tonight in Jesus' name. God, I pray that you would use me as a vessel to bless your people, speak into their hearts, and help them in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. amen. So when we look at this passage of Scripture, like I said, most often when we hear it talked about in a church context, we hear it talked about uh, concerning money, concerning t finances. You know, hey, when you give, it's going to be, more is going to be given back to you. And Jesus here is actually speaking about way more than just money. And you can zoom out, and we'll do that in Luke 6 and look at it. But Jesus is actually revealing a, a principle that applies to every aspect of our lives. It's a spiritual law that Jesus is revealing here. And this does become very evident when you back up and look at the whole. So I want to read verse 36 and 37 as well. It says, Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. So we see here as we zoom out a little bit that when Jesus talks about this, uh, principle of giving, he starts talking about mercy. He says, hey, if you sow in mercy, what are you going to reap in, guys? Right? Let's try it again. I'll try this side. So if you sow in mercy, what are you going to reap in? Mercy. Come on, that's right. Now, he also says if you sow in judgment, uh-oh, what are you going to reap in? Right? So Jesus is talking about this principle of giving, and what he's saying, he says, Whatever you sow, when you reap, you're going to reap it in good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Now, how many guys would be honest with me and say, I have heard this message a thousand times. I have no clue what that means. Okay, nobody. Just me then. I'm going to be real with you. I've always heard preachers quote that. I'm like, what the heck does that even mean? So I did a little research. This actually is a farming term. All right, so duh, you probably knew that. I didn't know that. But it was, it was a farming term, all right? And, um, and, and, and back in, in the time period that Jesus was preaching this, it would have been very well understood by, you know, his Israelite audience, okay? So how many of you guys will remember with me in the Old Testament, God gave a commandment to the Israelites, and he says that when you reap your harvest, I want you to leave the edges of the field for the poor. If you agree with, if you remember that, just say amen. amen. You remember that? So, so in that time period, it's actually a joke, kind of, uh, how that the hired laborers would carry their baskets. 
right? So you would see two parties of people working in the field at harvest time. One, you would see the hired laborers, the people that were hired by the farmer to pick the grain, all right? And then they would put grain into their baskets and, and they would fill it up about halfway. Why? Because it got heavy, right? Heavy, heavy basket. They'd have to carry that all the way to the barn, dump it out. You know, they didn't want to put too much, make it too hard. You guys with me? And then you had another party in the field, and that was the poor. These people didn't have a barn to go take their grain into. So you noticed a difference when you looked at the hired laborers' baskets and when you looked at the poor's baskets, right? So when you see the poor collecting their grain, what do they do? They put a good measure of grain in there when they collect. It's not a half-hearted measure, right? They're not just filling it up halfway because their family has to live off that measure, right? So they fill it up to the top. What do they do next? They press it down into the basket so that they can fit more grain into the basket, all right? So they, uh, 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 uh. they press it down. They're working hard out there because they know they need that grain, right? What do they do next? They shake it, shake it together. Because they're getting all the air space. They, it's got to be airtight in there. They're, you like that sound effect? So they're shaking the grain, right? And then after that, it says that there'll be more. They'll be, they'll be topped off. It'll be topped off. And that would heap on more and then, until it was running over. Meaning, meaning they would put grain continually on it until it rose above the brim and then began to fall out the, all the, out the sides. Okay, so whenever somebody says given, it's going to be given to you in good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over and put into your lap, just let that illustration sink in. So whatever you give, Jesus is revealing a spiritual law. Okay, he's talking about an eternal principle. He says, whatever you sow, here's how you're going to reap it. Pressed down, shaken together, right, and running over into your lap. So if, you, if you're someone who sows mercy, guess what you're going to get from people? And not just a little bit of mercy either. You're going to get an abundance of mercy. But if you're somebody that constantly sows frustration and anger and judgment, what is Jesus preaching on here? Some, I mean, come on, guys. It's not, you know, it's not crazy rocket science, right? But you got some people out there, and I, I know you probably work with some. They constantly feel like people are judging them. They constantly feel like people are gossiping about them. But if you listen to them long enough, you realize that they're simply eating the fruit of what they're sowing in their lives. If you want different fruit in your life, you're going to have to change the seed that you're sowing. Right? Because whatever you sow, you're going to get. And not just the same measure, not just a half basket that you get to store off in your barn, but we're talking about a running over, overflowing basket that falls into your lap. So whatever you sow, look at your neighbor say, I'm going to reap. Running over. Come on. So we hear this passage preached, and I got to be honest with you guys, I really do think that a lot of times when we hear this passage preached, it's, it's preached incorrectly. And here's the reason why I believe it's preached incorrectly. It's because it is true that you will get back more than you give. But getting should never be our motivation for giving. Getting should never be our motivation for giving. Receiving is our reward for giving not our motivation for giving. Can I get another good amen? amen? Receiving is our reward for giving, not our motivation for giving. Luke 6 and 38 is not about material gain becoming our motive to give. You notice there is nothing in the Bible that says that we should make personal gain our motivation for giving. Tithing is not a get-rich-quick scheme. Being generous is not a Holy Ghost lottery ticket. You guys with me? Personal gain can never be our motive for giving. Receiving is, is a byproduct of giving, but our motivation has to be to become like our Heavenly Father, who we know, right, loved the world so much that He what? Gave 
his only begotten son, right? That's why when we're generous, when we're giving, we're becoming like our heavenly father. When Jesus is preaching this, he is not trying to impart a vision of getting. He is trying to impart a spirit of giving. When Jesus is saying this, he's not saying, hey, let me give you some, some uh, eternal principles of how to get everything that you want out of life. That's not what he's preaching. He's saying, hey, if you give, you are going to be blessed. But that's not the motivation. You guys with me so far? So if you back up even a little bit further to look at verse 30 through 35 in Luke 6, you're going to see an even bigger picture, an even bigger context of Jesus' sermon. He says, give, everybody say give, give, to everyone who begs from you. Hold up. Wait just a second. Did, did Jesus say, if you feel like it and you get moved holy by the Spirit... To give in that certain moment, then it's blessed. Are are y'all reading the same Bible, right? He said, when someone asks of you, when someone begs from you, you should give to them. Not not really a lot of gray area in in this text here, all right? And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. Hold on. So if someone steals from me, Jesus says, don't even demand what they stole from you back. Okay? And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. Verse 32, it says, if you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good. And lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High. For He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. That is a powerful verse of Scripture that is immediately applicable for all of us in our lives. Says you see somebody who's in need, you see somebody who's asking of you, your motivation cannot be to analyze their lifestyle. Right. You see a guy on the corner, oh, that dude, I cannot give, I'm not gonna give to him because I know he's gonna go to the gas station, he's gonna buy liquor. Well, Jesus didn't say to analyze his lifestyle and look into what he was gonna do with the money. Jesus just said, give, because when you give, you become like me. And what's going to make that guy turn to repentance faster? You putting your nose up in the air like you're just an alcoholic. Or you rolling down your window and being generous to them because that's what the Word of God teaches us to do. Becoming a shining light of love into their life. Maybe they won't go then buy the alcohol. Maybe they'll then go and go to church. Or maybe they'll go to a place of prayer. Or maybe they'll find somebody and they'll say, man, I need to get my life right with God. Am I, am I preaching anybody in here? Okay, I didn't know if I was preaching myself there, but. (coughs) Material gain should not be our motive for giving. It's a byproduct of giving, but it cannot be the motive, okay? Jesus teaches us to give to those who ask of us. He says, give to those who can't pay you back. He said, give to those who don't deserve it. Give to those who wrong you. Give Give to others the kind of treatment that you want to receive. Jesus says it over and over and over again. Give, give, give. Everybody say give. When you do, your heavenly Father will make sure you get much more in return. Jesus emphasizes this, this, um, you know, this giving more than receiving because when we give with abandon, we're behaving like God. Think about that. When we give with abandon, we're imitating God. <clears throat> but when, when, when we hoard and we're stingy, we're definitely not imitating Jesus, right? Imitating more so the enemy. We know God is a giver. Satan is selfish. G for God, generous. S, Satan, selfish. It's the easiest way to remember that one. When we give, God will give back to us, but it cannot be our motive. Once more, guys, our motive has to be uh, receiving the joy the spiritual joy that we receive as a result of becoming like God. So, um, 
focused hearts, people who are focused on the kingdom, people who have a soft heart towards Jesus is more excited about the giving part than the receiving part. That's what I believe. So with that being said, talking about the focused heart, the godly heart, the Christian heart, the Jesus-like heart, I want to look at a couple of things. And it's really, it's really four places in our heart, okay? So if you're, if you're taking notes, I'm going to talk about four places. And uh, these four places that I'm going to talk about here is uh, two places. The first two is, are things we need to develop. And then uh, the, the last, or excuse me, things we need to get rid of. The last two are going to be things we need to develop. So uh, with that being said, turn with me once more to one more verse of Scripture. Deuteronomy chapter 15. Now I'm going to bounce back to the Old Testament to talk about the heart a little bit. And uh, I think this will be fun for you guys. But I, I really believe that this Scripture here is super profound when it comes to uh, our finances and our heart and how it connects to our giving, okay? So Deuteronomy chapter 15, verses 7 through 15. If you're there, just say amen. amen. Awesome. Look at you guys. Well done. If among you, one of your brothers should become poor in any of your towns within your land that the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart or shut your hand against your poor brother, but you shall open your hand to him and lend him sufficient for his need, whatever it may be. Take care, lest there be an unworthy thought in your heart, and you say, the seventh year, the year of release is near, and your eye look grudgingly on your poor brother, and you give him nothing, and he cry to the Lord against you, and you be guilty of sin. Isn't that interesting? So for those of you guys, just real quick, if you're like, what in the world is he talking about? The seventh year, this year of Jubilee, when all debts were canceled, basically what God is saying is, if somebody asks uh, for money, and it's the sixth year, don't hold that against them. Give to them anyway. Give liberally. Even though you know that next year their debt's going to be canceled, give to them anyway. Don't calculate the years thinking, well, it's six years, so this is a good investment for me. I'm going I'm to put this out there at 20% interest. He said even if it's a month before Jubilee, you give to them what they need because that's what we do as people in covenant with God. You shall give to him freely, and your heart shall not be, be grudging when you give to him, because for this the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in all you undertake. Are you guys seeing this? When we give and we're generous to people who are, who are in need, the Lord anoints everything that we touch. You guys reading the same scripture, right? For there will never cease to be poor in the land. Therefore, I command you, you shall open wide your hand to your brother, to the needy and to the poor in your land. And if your brother, a Hebrew man or a Hebrew woman, is sold to you, he shall serve you six years, and in the seventh year you shall let him go free from you. And when you let him go free from, from you, you shall not let him go empty-handed. You shall furnish him liberally. Everybody say liberally. liberally. Out of your flock out of your threshing floor, out of your wine press, as the Lord your God has blessed you, you shall give to him. And, and get this, guys. Verse 15 says something unusual. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command you this today. Woo! That's a good passage. God makes a point to tell the Israelites. He says, hey, look, do not... Let your heart be grieved when you give. See, even way back in the Old Testament, God said, I love a cheerful giver. Way back in Deuteronomy. It's not hard to understand why this is so. If you're a parent in here, aren't you so proud of your kids when they're unselfish? Right? Imagine how proud the Heavenly Father is of us when we're not just hoarding all of our toys. But we're sharing. And he's like, oh, look at that. They're doing what I taught them. Rather than behaving aggressively different than the way I am. Aren't you proud of your kids when they're not behaving selfishly? When we grow to become cheerful, willing givers, we become more like our Heavenly Father. And this is what God is trying to do in our hearts. I really do believe this for our church family is he's wanting to purify our hearts. And if we're going to purify our hearts, because there's a lot of confusion that surrounds giving and money and finances and tithing and reaping and sowing, there's a lot of confusion around that stuff because the enemy does his best to 
to, to bring confusion around subjects of great breakthrough. You'll always notice that if, if, there's, if there's a lot of confusion around something, there's typically some breakthrough tied up in there. The enemy does his best. He doesn't, he doesn't want you to have God's perspective on money, which is why there's so much confusion around it. Because if the enemy has his way, he wants to keep you broke down, tired, sick, and depressed. Right? But Jesus is saying, no, my kingdom come, my will be done on the earth that is, as it is in heaven. I want you living and behaving like it is in the eternal realm of heaven. All right, so the first thing that we've got to deal with, if we're going to be generous, if you're taking notes, write this down. The first thing that we've got to deal with is the selfish heart. All right? So this is verse 9. It says, Take care thus, lest there be any unworthy thought in your heart, and you say, The seventh year, the year of release is near, and your eye look grudgingly on your poor brother, and you give him nothing, and he cry to the Lord against you, and you be guilty of sin. So what God says here is he says, these are, these are, this is wickedness, right? He said selfishness is the same as, as wickedness. And basically what selfishness is, it's, it's saying to ourselves that we're not going to have enough if we share with other people. Well, if I share with other people, there's no way I'm going to have enough. Or if I share with someone else or I give to the church or I give to missions, then, then there's not going to be enough for me. That's, that's the selfish heart. The selfish heart constantly tries to manipulate and make deals with God. And so they say things like, okay, God, I've heard the message. I heard it three weeks ago. I committed to tithing. But, God, if I'm going to tithe and if I'm going to give this, then you've got to give me that. And if, that, wow. if it doesn't happen by this time, then... Wow. Mine, right? You guys seen those seagulls on Finding Nemo? <laughs> Mine, 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 mine. You guys ever seen that? Selfish heart. All right. Um, if, you, if you become a parent, you're going to see that uh, cartoon. And the reality is, is that we're all born like that. Mine, right? The, the, the very first word most kids can pronounce clearly. Mine. Right? They know how to articulate that word better than anything else in their vocabulary. Mine. Right? We know how to say that. Mine. Selfishness. And, you know, selfishness is in our hearts. And it, and it doesn't automatically get removed just because our bodies grow up. If you don't believe me, go to a barbecue this summer and, t and try to take a rib or a chicken wing off a man's plate. See what happens to you. Let me tell you guys a quick story. When my wife and I were dating, see, women don't seem to have this problem. Honestly, I don't know what it is about you guys. You guys fascinate me, right? You guys, if you go out to a restaurant, women just share their food with each other. They just swap plate. You know, you get that. They're strategizing over the menu. You get this. You get that. They got a game plan going. It's like a Super Bowl. You know, it's like uh, they're, they're figuring up the game plan. You're going to get that. And then, and then, you know, this right. This is happy hour. So, you know, I'll get the, that right. And then you get that over there. And then we'll all mix it together. We'll have us an awesome meal, guys. Y'all in with, yep, yep. You see a guy, that, mm -mm, I got my, I'm getting what I want. You ain't gonna have none of it. Mine. Right? When my wife and I were dating. We, we pulled up to a drive-thru. Maybe this would be a familiar story to you guys. We pulled up to a drive-thru. I can't remember where we were, just getting some fast food. And, and um, you know, I said, hey, sweetheart, you, you want something? You hungry? She said, no, nah, I'm not hungry. I'm, I'm good, actually. Okay, all right, cool. Well, if you want something, I got you. You know, you're trying to do that, you're trying to be, do that bravo thing, you know, macho thing. I got you. I got you right here. I got you. No, don't worry. I, five bucks, I got you. So, um, you know, and, yeah, exactly, right? And uh, she's like, no, nah, I'm good. I don't want anything. And I'm like, you sure you don't want anything? Because I'm about to get the extra value meal. Chick-fil-A or something, you know. I'm about to get a number one with a large iced tea cut down the middle, and I need eight extra nuggets fried. Don't give me none of that grilled mess. And that's what I want from Chick-fil-A. And then she's like, uh, it's okay. I'm just going to have a couple of your nuggets. And I said, mm-mm. <laughs> Mine. If, and, then, and then they said, sweetheart, if you want something, just tell me. I will order Two extra orders of fries. 
No, no, it's okay. I'm, no, 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 listen. If you want any of mine, if you want one fry, let me order you a whole order of fries. Okay, because I'm gonna order precisely what I want. Okay, that's why I'm ordering it. And if you want some, if, if, you, want, if you want a Chick-fil-A sauce, you better order it. I count them, one, two, three, in there. I need all of my Chick-fil-A sauces. Mine, right? But women are so good at sharing. They'll make a game plan, they'll share. But men, we just, we just don't get that automatically. Does that, does that sound familiar to anybody? Right? Man, KD, you with me the same way? Man, I'll tell you. It's just something on the inside just goes nuts. It's like, oh, when somebody reaches on your plate, like, oh, you don't care if I have any of that. I'm like, man, you better get your own. So that's, that's like the unredeemed nature, okay? That's the fallen nature. That's not what Jesus paid for, okay? That can't be our goal. <laughs> right, yeah. Mine, right? Yeah. It's, it's wild, but that's where we see it. You know, the default human condition is to hoard and to not share with anybody. That's the default human condition. And this is where our Heavenly Father comes in and he says, hey, I want to deal with that. What, what's the fear attached to you sharing? Or what's, what's the anger attached to you sharing what you feel that you got by way of your hard work, Right? And then me asking you to give it away to somebody who seemingly deserves it less. Because when we were yet enemies of God, Jesus came and he died for us on the cross so that we might be set free before we deserved it according to his grace and his mercy. So when we're giving, we're becoming more like who? Come on. So the second heart condition he wants to deal with is the grieving heart. Now, this is, this is crucial, guys. This is even more crucial, I think, than the selfish heart because when, when you're a giver, you, you're, you're going to live the blessed life. Like the Bible said in verse 10, he's going to bless everything you touch. Let me read it one more time to you guys. Verse 10, you shall give to him freely, and your heart shall not be grudging. Everybody say grieving. grieving. When you give to him, because for, for this the Lord your God will bless you in all of your work and all that you undertake. So God's going to bless everything that you touch when you're a giver. But, but here's what the enemy does. Before we give, he attacks us and, and tries his best to keep us selfish. But then after we give, the attack that comes against us is a grieving heart. And that causes us to grieve the money that we've given away. Selfishness attacks us before we give, but grief can attack us after we give. Okay, let me put it to you like this. So you give in the offering, you give to a missionary, you bless somebody on the, on the street, you bless somebody in the coffee shop, and then you get home and your washer breaks. What's the enemy do? He does his best to get your heart grieving. See, it's not wisdom. It's not wisdom to give to people like that. You see, you just got all amped up and manipulated and somebody's trying to get your money from you. See, what I'm, see there, everybody's against you and trying to get your money. Oh, man, I'm just grieving. I knew I should have kept that money because I knew we would have needed it. And see, that's what I get. Are you guys with me? So this is very similar to what happens when people suffer from buyer's remorse, right? They respond to the Holy Spirit to give, but then afterward the enemy comes against them and tries to grieve them. And this means that we have to guard our heart not only before we give, but especially after we give. Wow. Are you guys with me? Yeah. This, I mean, I feel like, you know, the, the scripture says we're not to be ignorant of Satan's devices. And I feel like that's, that's one right there that he keeps concealed pretty well. But we're pulling back the curtain on the enemy with this, guys. Another problem is that people give because they feel they have to. Rather, because they want to. They feel pressured to give. And so when they feel pressured to give, they grieve afterward. And they grieve over the money they no longer have. So let me, let me talk to you about combating grief, all right? Let me ask you this. If, if you're filled with regret after being a blessing, do, do you think that pleases God? 
Has God accomplished the work in our hearts that he wants to perform if we're filled with grief after we give? No, that's not true. So how do you, how do you combat this? We do this by having a proper perspective. I just remembered something, actually. Um, sorry, just thought, I just realized I'm going after, out to eat with my family after this. I, don't, I forgot my wallet. I need $100. Is there anybody in here that would give me $100 right now? Anybody? 100 bucks? Dude, thank you so much, man. Serious. Bro, thank you, man. It's amazing. I'm going to preach on money more often, man. I'll tell you what. It's amazing. Michael, you come Man, thank Philip, thank you so much, man. Dude, that's awesome. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate that. That's amazing. Why did you just, why did you do, why would Philip just give me a hundred bucks? I just asked off the cuff for a hundred bucks. Why would Philip give me a hundred bucks? He's generous. He's a giver. Man, thanks, dude. I appreciate it. Okay, guys, listen. I'm going to tell you why Philip would give me a hundred bucks. Because I gave it to him before the service. And I told him, I said, look, I'm going to ask for a hundred bucks at some point during the message. And I want you to get up quickly and give it to me, all right? So the reason why Philip gave it so quickly is because it didn't belong to him in the first place. I think the point is starting to sink in. <laughs> let, me, let me tell you guys why I was so quick to give it. The reason he gave the, the money so quickly is because it was mine in the first place. He experienced no grief, no emotional conflict, and no remorse about giving me that money. Why? Because it wasn't his. <laughs> See, he didn't have any of those emotions. He wasn't selfish about it. He wasn't stingy with it. He was, I ain't no way I'm giving him this. I just gave it to him 45 minutes ago. It belonged to me, right? When we get God's perspective on money, we know that it's all his anyway. Well, this is mine. This is mine. No, God said it's all. If you belong to me, your money belongs to me. If I saved you and redeemed you and I purchased you by my blood and you belong to me, your money belongs to me. Your car belongs to me. Your closet belongs to me. The shoe collection you have belongs to me. Your house itself, the deed, the property, every single thing that you have, it all belongs to me. So when I ask you for something, what the heart I'm not looking for is, nope. Hoarding it, selfish, mine. Because it don't belong to you. And then if you give it, you don't experience conflict. You don't experience grief. You don't experience buyer's remorse because you gave when the Holy Spirit prompted. Because you realize it wasn't yours to begin with in the first place. Amen? When someone is unwilling to give, it's either because they're selfish or they, ha they have forgotten that it all belongs to God anyway, and they're acting like an owner rather than a steward. You can st if, you, if you're in here tonight and you're grieving over an offering that you gave one time, some, some, sometime, you know, somebody asks, hey, I, I, you know, who's willing to give a big offering? You stood up and you gave, and you've been kicking yourself for years as a result of that. I want to I release you from grieving right now because it wasn't your money in the first place. If you, if you misspent money somewhere in your past, if you did something incorrect, I just want you to know that, that Jesus looks at you and he's saying, hey, look, you're a great steward. I'm going to speak truth over you where the enemies tried to sow doubt and discord. I'm calling you higher. That's why you're here tonight. 
Because he wants to release you from that grief. Here, and here's the two last points, and these are the two things that we need to develop. Number one is a generous heart. And that comes to us from verse uh, 14. It says, you shall furnish him liberally. Everybody say liberally. liberally. Out of your flock, out of your threshing floor, and out of your wine press. God said, give him some of your sheep, give him some of your grain, and give him some of your wine. As the Lord your God has blessed you, you shall give to him. With God's help, we're supposed to develop a generous or liberal heart. I'm not talking about politically liberal, okay? But free with our possessions and our money, like that song. Um, um, I climb this mountain with my hands wide open, right? We're supposed to stay hands open before the Lord. We, ne- we, never, we never clasp things too tightly. Everything that we have belongs to him. We keep our hands open. We're not supposed to be stingy. We're supposed to be generous. And this does, in fact, go against the grain of our fallen natures. But it is perfectly consistent with the new nature that I have received as a result of me giving my life to Jesus. How about you? Right? Um, I was born selfish, but I was born again generous. My old nature tries to manipulate circumstances in my favor, but that's the attitude of a taker and not a giver. My old nature tries to make deals with God, but a liberal-hearted person gives quickly and generously because he knows that all, will, all belongs to God. So that's the first thing we have to develop, a generous heart. Here's the last thing. We need to develop a grateful heart, okay? Here's verse 15. It says, You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command you this today. Look at your neighbor and say, you were a slave. And, and God says, I want you to remember this. I want you to remember. When I talk to you about giving, I want you to remember that you were a slave. Why did God instruct the Israelites to remember that they had been slaves in Egypt? Because he knew that if they remembered what God had done for them, then it would fill their hearts with gratitude and they would find it easy to be generous. He said, remember what your life was like before you were in covenant with me. Remember what it was like when you were a slave to your sin. When we allow God to remind us that we used to be slaves and that everything we have is by his gracious hand, it will help us to be grateful. Amen? Amen. I don't know where you guys were before Jesus found you. I don't know what your life was like. I'm not sure if it was great, if it was good, if it was A-OK. But I want you to know, if you don't know this about me, my life was absolutely terrible when Jesus found me. He, He took me from the very bottom of the barrel of society. I was a drug addict, a heroin addict. I sold drugs. I sold crack. I got shot at, and people, and I shot at people in drive by shootings. Maybe I shouldn't tell you that. <laughs> Best friends shot and killed, okay? Like that was my life before. I drank a fifth of tequila every night with my roommate. I was, I, when I got saved, I was literally vomiting every two hours. I was vomiting up the lining of my intestines because of all the narcotics I was ingesting, all the pills. I overdosed four times. I was in jail more times than I can count. I was in drug rehab. So you guys don't know this about me, do you? So when I remember the fact that I once was enslaved to Egypt that I once was a drug addict, that I was strung out, that I was distressed, that I was dysfunctional, that I was oppressed, that I was possessed, that I was, a, I was sleeping in a car. How easy is it to then think about everything that God did for me and say, I'm going to be generous and give anything that he wants. Why? Because I remember where I was when he found me and where I am today. It sure beats the alternative of of yesteryear apart from the blood and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And so because I'm filled with gratitude because of what Jesus did for me on the cross and he loved me when everyone else deemed me unlovable, even when the state said that I should be locked away and put behind bars, even when doctors diagnosed me and gave me prescription and said, you're just gonna have to stay in this in treatment until you figure out how to behave yourself. When counselors and psychiatrists diagnosed me as being clinically crazy, you're, you're, you're depressed. You're, 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 have, you're hearing voices. You're crazy, man. This is basically what I heard. Okay? So when I got into church, you guys, if somebody said, I like your tie, I took it off and I gave it to them. I like your shoes. Okay, what size are you, bro? Right? What, what do I have that you would like? Because it doesn't belong to me anyway. Just a few months ago, I was sleeping in a car. <laughs> are, you guys, are you guys hearing this? Yeah. Do you guys, can you guys relate to what your life was like before Jesus found you? You were a slave. You were enslaved in Egypt. You were in, you're in chains. You were not free. You thought you were free, but you were not free. But now you're free by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. So how grateful are you? I'm grateful, man. I am thankful. Dude, I had teachers in high school that said, dude, you're, gonna, you're not going to amount to any, you're going to be dead before 30. I had people in drug rehab tell me, you're going to die. You're not going to be successful. You're not going to do anything with yourself. Stick to, you know, you got to figure out how to just do some type of trade. You're never going to do anything. These are the, this is the stuff I heard, all right? Look what God has done, man. You know, Jesus has set me free, saved me. So why wouldn't I give him everything, including my possessions and my money and my time? And if he wants my house, he can have it. If he wants my clothes or my closet, he can have it. If he wants a brand new pair of shoes that I just bought that I saved up for two years to get, he can have that too. Are you guys with me? So this is something we should practice, man. And, and, you know, be challenged. If somebody says they like something that you have, now if they're doing it on purpose, then they need to repent. <laughs> right? But be generous, man. Have an open hand. There's nothing you have that belongs to you. Everything that you have belongs to God. If you belong to God, everything you have belongs to God. So I'm going to close with this. Does, do, does, does God bless givers? Absolutely. But those promises of blessing are given not to entice us, but to free us from fear or grief that when we give, we'll be without. Okay, everybody, just this one statement, all right? Just please get this. Does God bless givers? Absolutely. But those promises of blessing are given not to entice us, but to free us from fear or grief that when we give, we'll be without. God says, I'm going to bless you when you give. You know why? Not because you're going to get stuff, but I'm, I'm going to tell you this and promise you this so that when you give, you can give without fear. Yeah. You can give without grief because you know that anything you sow is going to be returned to you, pressed down, shaken together, topped off, running to overflow, and it's going to fall into your lap. God, let us give mercy. Lord, let us, as St. Francis said, let us walk the world as the pardon of God. Let us extend forgiveness. That's obviously been a theme tonight. But the reason why we didn't receive the offering halfway through the service is because we're going to receive it tonight, right now. And the reason why I chose to do it at the end of service is because I want to invite some people in here to give for the first time in their life cheerfully. That's what, I'm not trying to get any more money out of you. I'm not, I'm not asking you. I'm not trying to manipulate you or control you. You just listen to the Holy Spirit. Give whatever you had prepared to give or give whatever God speaks to you to give. If you don't have anything, God says, give your shoes, give your shoes. <laughs> that, that didn't go over that well. Okay. <laughs> but you got to be careful doing that because... Then God will say, go to your closet, get your favorite pair of shoes, give them to somebody. But I do it. Hallelujah. Amen. So here's what we're going to do, guys. We're gonna, I'm going to ask my ushers to come up, and they're going to put buckets in the front. We're not going to do what we normally do. We're not just going to pass it through the aisle. I actually want to have a joyful procession. 
And so what I thought I would do is I thought I would give you guys some inspiration, all right, to live the blessed life. Because whatever we give is going to be given back to us, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. And he's going to continue to bless us more. Why? So we can give more, guys. And we can do it cheerfully. We, we don't do it selfishly, and we don't do it, do it while we're grieving. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to get your offering ready, okay? Yeah, even if you don't, if you're push pay, all right, even if you're push pay, I want you to get your hand, just get, get your phone in your hand or whatever if you're going to give by push pay. And, and I'm going to invite you, some of you guys, it's going to be the first time you've ever done this, but you're going to get to give cheerfully. I have a video I want to show you, and it's going to be inspiration of, a, of the most cheerful giver that I've ever seen in my life, okay? And I hope this inspires you because this guy here, he's a cheerful giver. Have you guys ever seen such a cheerful giver? That is a cheerful giver, man. Did you guys enjoy that? It's okay. You can have fun in church. Come on, let's stand up. <laughs> Holy Ghost. So we want to give, and, and we want to give generously. We, we don't just want to give money, God. We want to give our lives. Come on, you guys with me in here? Come on, church. We don't, we don't want to just give our money, God. We want to give our lives. We want to give you the fullness of our hearts, God. You gave it all. So we want to give it all, God. So tonight, as we give, we're just going to give cheerfully. Can we give some music? And if it, it, maybe it's not in the back, but maybe it is. If you guys got some happy music back there. I like that. Okay, so here's what we'll do. Um, We'll just start in rows. And if you don't have anything to give, I just want you to come anyway. And I just want you to pray as you come. And let's just give cheerfully. Come on, man. Yeah, if you want to give check, credit card, text, you can do it that way if you want to do that. But, Lord, we just thank you, God, that we get the opportunity to give cheerfully. And we love you, Jesus. revolutionary for our hearts, for our family, for the way that we see the world around us, and even just the way that we see Jesus and his kindness towards us and how he so generously gives and sows into us. So 
I mean, it's been amazing. So let's just give Lyle a round of applause. It's been amazing. We so appreciate it. So appreciate it. So I just wanted to bring to your attention before we leave this evening, a couple things on our bulletin this week. If you guys have your bulletin, go ahead and take a look at it with me. Um, we do have team night coming up on June 22nd. If you wanna get involved, plugged in here at Legacy, come on out to that. If you're already serving on a team, please come to that. We wanna see you, we wanna get you plugged in. Um, a couple other things, we, if you are a mom with kids, we're having like a pool get together at um, Beth and Rob's pool. So look at the address for that. and. Um, also, a big thing that we're doing, which is huge, we're having a Sunday fun day on July 3rd. So, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. We haven't worked out all the details, but I think there might be food truck there. We're going to feed everybody. We're going to have fun. Uh, we're going to play games. We're going to do a little bit of worship. But mostly, we're just going to have a community time on July 4th weekend. So bring your friends, bring people, um, your family if they're in town. I know that Nashville's a huge hot spot for 4th of July weekend. I know people travel in for that. So bring them out. We're going to have food, fun, plenty of games for kids. Um, all of our volunteers will be off for the night to just hang out and have fun with us. So please put that on your calendar. We want you to be there. And then finally, House Church is this Wednesday, so which is amazing. I think that it's going to be probably... I think it's at Beth and Rob's as well. Is it this week or at Kristen and Trevor's? Kristen and Trevor. So it's going to be in East Nashville this week. Address is on the bulletin. So look at it. We want you there. If you're finding that you want to plug in here and you want a smaller group of people to connect with, House Church is where it's at. So please be there. Um, other than that, ministry team, you can come to the front. Our ministry team is available to you to pray um, for breakthrough in your body. Just pray for you in general. But they're here and willing and ready to pray for you. So we love you guys. We love you so very much. So we will see you at House Church this week on Wednesday and next week here at 4 p.m. for service. You are dismissed. Thanks for subscribing to the Iris Nashville podcast. We'd love to hear back from you. If you don't mind, log into the iTunes store and leave us a rating and a review. The more ratings and reviews we get, the more accessible our podcast is to new listeners. Thanks so much. Have a wonderful day. God bless.